Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Indie Club Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kozaczynski. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Michael Anderson, who I've known for a couple of years now. Michael is an entrepreneur and a best-selling author of an amazing book called Soul Central Leadership. And uh, I invited Michael today to talk about a bit of his business, uh, his journey he took in his career. He has an awesome story, and I'm looking forward to see everything that he's going to share today. So I'm going to let Michael introduce himself. Hi, Michael. Um, hey, thanks for having me on here. We, uh, oddly enough, we, we lived in Croatia together. That's where we met at a co-working place, which was, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I have some fond memories of that place. So now we both live in London. Exactly. Before we start, actually, uh, I'm going to ask you a question right off the bat. How did you end up in Croatia? Oh, I'll try to give, well, there's, there's not a short answer to that. So I was in the U.S. and I sold all my stuff and I did nomad thing. And so it was one of the, yeah, so I just literally lived without a house. And, and I did that in my mid forties. And I think that's, that's common to do when you're maybe in your twenties or your early thirties, but I was a bit older. And so uh, my work took me to, to places and I stayed with some friends and family. And then I was doing the true nomad thing where I'd spend like a, uh, a week in a, in a city and go to another city. And I don't really go out, you know, I don't really party or drink a lot anymore. So I found it very isolating because I would stay like an Airbnb and, and by myself. And so I really, it was, it was very lonely um, for me. And so I realized um, after a couple of weeks, a couple of months of that, 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 that I didn't want to spend, you know, a long period of time like that. So I really wanted to find like a home base in Europe. So I wanted to find a place that um, spoke decent English, um, which rules out like Spain and Italy, <laughs> some of those places. <laughs> and uh, and um, it was also somewhat inexpensive because, you know, go to London or Paris and living in short term housing is just massively expensive and eating out all the time. Um, oh, yeah. That would have been difficult. And so that, you know, that, that leaves, I guess, in a way, Easternish Europe, um, and my ancestors were from Croatia, um, so I figured, yeah, why not Zagreb? And, and so that was uh, that brought me there, and it was a really great experience. And, and Croatia is a, a lovely country. I'm sure Thomas, we talked about it has some, some some great aspects and some some frustrating aspects, but it's a really I met great people there, and it was a really great and. If anybody out there is listening, Croatia is a great place to go for a weekend, a week, or a month. It's it's great food, great people, great coastline for sure. I'm going to agree on that, and I will not go into the politics of Croatia because then this talk is going to go way in the wrong direction that I want to take it. Well, it's, like, it's like people in the UK and the US, they're like, we have crazy politics. I'm like, no. No, <laughs> you have it easy. Uh, yeah, but okay, cool. Um, you said you sold your stuff and went nomad. Uh, and I'm going to circle back to that. But before you sold your stuff, how did you come to having stuff to sell? So let's start with that. I know you started a couple of companies. So so let's start with that. Yeah, I was always geeky. You know, my dad bought me a, it was back then, it was an Apple II clone back in, uh, I don't know, probably like 85 when I was like 14 or 15. And I taught myself how to program in my basement. and. Um, I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, back in the States and in the United States and the Eastern part, sort of by New York. And then I moved to um, California because my cousin was out there. I had a really crappy job and I was, and my cousin called me, I was like 24. He was like, Mike, what are you doing at Pittsburgh? And he was in San Diego and I don't, I'm like, yeah, life's okay. I got this crappy job. And he's like, if you have a crappy job, why not have a crappy job in California instead of Pittsburgh? And I'm like, all right, good, good, good logic. I'm out of here. So I packed up and drove across the states, and um, yeah, I guess started in what's called ERP, like Microsoft Dynamics and SAP. I was started as a programmer and worked my way up the corporate ladder. A company uh, we got bought by a um, larger company to move me to the UK, and then I moved to, to to Copenhagen, Denmark, and then I moved to Singapore in charge of Southeast Asia for as I'm, I was climbing up the corporate ladder. Moved back to the States and started my first company, then my second company. And I'm like a really good technical guy. You know, back then I was really up on all the technologies. I was really driven. I, I, and, and we had some success based on basically my hard work. But then I, as we got a couple of people, I realized I was not a good leader. And we started to have 
a lot of problems in the company and me personally because of my lack of leadership. And so then I went and, um, yeah, I, I taught myself, I taught myself, there's a lot, there's a couple of things I did to really get good at leadership. Um, and that's when my companies really started to flourish. I mean, we were number one, best place to work, uh, in the city. We we're in California. We were, so we were on the Inc 5000 list a couple of years in a row. I was social entrepreneur of the year. Um, and, and that was really fulfilling for me. And then now what I do is I teach people that same type of leadership, that same type of, of positive, empowering leadership to other people in technology. That's what I do now. Okay. So I'm going to come back to, to that. I want to ask you what made you do the change from climbing the corporate ladder and like being really good at it and then saying, okay, I'm going to stop with this now and I'm going to start something on my own. Like what made, uh, what made you made a switch? Yeah, I think I was always, uh, I know I was always entrepreneurial, meaning I'm not going to lie, I'm smart and I'm driven, but I I, I would, I, I could have done a lot better if I would have uh, not been, and Tom, this isn't like you at all, if I wouldn't be so stubborn and have to do things my own way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not it, man. Like, yeah, no, sure. <laughs> um, and uh and so i got by honestly on just really hard work and, and intelligence because I, I i was looking back i just there was some there a lot of situations or bosses i had where if i would have just been a little more calmer or less troublemaker ish I, I, my career would have would have risen quicker um so problems with authority problems with authority yeah unless it's me unless i'm the authority there's a problem right <laughs> <laughs> I see some similarities here, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, um, and uh, and 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 uh, you know, I moved back from in Singapore when I was in Southeast Asia. Um, it's a longer story to that, but I quit my job because they didn't pay me some commissions, and then I moved back to California. And um, a lot of my old customers that I used to do programming with found out I was back, and they weren't getting good service, and so they're like, "Hey, I'd love you to come." you know fix our systems and these were big projects so i was getting paid they're like how much do you charge and i used to and i did i did some consulting for another company when i was there but then then i hooked up with these old customers and the other the, the company used to charge me out of 200 an hour and they're like how much do you charge i'm like 200 dollars an hour and they're like can you come in next week i'm like yes <laughs> yes i'm there <laughs> um and, and it's funny because you know i for me, and I think a lot of us in this, sometimes we have we have issues sometimes giving large amounts for our, our hourly rate or projects and things. And it's like, because um, I've had that happen to me before. And uh, and it's luckily I had that number just to go back and start with. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Honestly, it's a shitload of money. <laughs> 200 bucks. <now>. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> I'm, uh, I had a, Talk a couple of days ago, uh, one of my uh, friends who's a designer, he reached out and he has some contracting work coming his way. And he has, he's asked, like, how much should I charge? Like he was, he didn't know how to put a, you know, like a proper price because uh, like, oh, he currently lives in Croatia, but he wants to charge Western prices. But uh, how he's trying to gauge his quality and his hourly rate and has no idea what the starting point should be. So I gave him the same formula I, I took when I just started out freelancing years ago. It was like, just take the number of hours that you actually want to work in the year. Or like, like, let's say you want to work 10 months and you want to work, you know, six hours per working day. So that's like total of 40 weeks plus times six, right? So, and then yet just take that number, divide the number of yearly income you want to have divided by that number, that will be your hourly rate. And then add savings to that and add any like expenses and your life, whatever, like just come up to a number and then try to gauge from there. And it just seemed like a, uh, like a simple formula to follow, but how do you grow from there? Like what would be your advice, how to go from that like basic formula? And then when does your price start to rise? Does it, is it like years of experience, clients, combination of both? Uh, what adds more to your price? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I like the Tom economics, the Tom economics, <laughs> backing that out. And, you know, to me, it, it mostly matters on the perception of who you're talking to. And, um, you know, because a, a customer is probably going to come to you with a certain 
number in their head. And so I think it's important for you because like some people, if you're like a good Java developer and you live in Croatia, you know, they might be paying the going rate. They would pay somebody in the UK. Other people might be, you know, going to a country like Croatia to, to save some money. So it's really the mindset of the company um, and the client mean a lot. Um, you know, if people are listening out there and they want to make more money, I would really look at it. it like somebody asked me if they were getting into technology now, like they were younger, what would they do? I would, I would say just really jump on a, 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 something that you know is going to get bigger, you know, like um, you know, machine learning almost. I mean, that's still going to grow, but like nanotechnology, like, you know, artificial intelligence and just freaking write a blog for a year. And, and, and just by writing the blog, you're going to know about it. And people are going to start following you. Same thing with like, um, you know, if you learn C++ or Java, you're going to be in demand, but you're not going to be that much in demand, right? Because there's a lot of people out there doing it. You're never going to make 500 bucks a, 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 an hour doing it. But if you pick a technology that catches on or you know that's going to catch on some sort of, you know, machine learning, you know, type of, 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 of niche, and, and, and that's what people pay for is experience with hard to find in demand type of things like if you were a java programmer what 10 years ago you probably be making you were making tons of money but now it's it's commoditized so you really want to position yourself into something that's going to grow um you know when i moved to san diego qualcomm people don't know qualcomm they make most of the chips in phones they were small and i i taught i said to this guy i'm like hey i'm looking for a job he's like dude you should just go get a job at qualcomm and um, if you don't know wireless, they're just hiring people left and right. And if I would have got a job back then, I probably would have a couple, couple million dollars in stock options because it grew yeah. probably 100 or 200 times, you know, 1,000 times. It's one of the bigger companies in the States now. So Yeah, yeah I, had their, I had their dial-up modem, I think, when, years ago. They, they oh, wow. were selling modems, yeah, so, but that was back then. But, okay, yeah, uh, cool, thanks. Let's... Uh, uh, I, don't want to go into one direction because I know that you don't have a lot of time and I want to cover uh, as much as I, I can while I have you here. And hopefully if, if this goes well, we can do another episode. But uh, I want to circle back to your leadership because you said that when you started your company, uh, and it was all well, but then you realized that you had, that you lacked certain leadership skills and that it led to a certain problems, right? So first, how did you identify that it was your problem? Because I know a lot of people have issues with saying I'm the problem and it takes a lot of, I think it takes character to say I'm the problem here not everybody else because people tend to play the blame game a lot. And then how do you go from there to I'm gonna learn this thing and then you take it as one, one step further and said, okay, now I'm gonna teach it. Well, it's, it's an interesting question because I've been thinking about it like what was, um, what was my life really like back then? And, and back then, we were, you know, I was growing two or three companies at the time. You know, in total, I started three, and they sort of overlapped. And I just remember, like, there would need to be stuff that gets done. And I was thinking so tactically. So, like, I thought leadership was a bunch of tasks came in, and I would just give them out to everybody. And if they didn't get them done as quick or as well as I thought, I would just get frustrated with them and angry. Not yelling at them, but some, sometimes yelling. But it would just be frustrating. And I didn't know anything about communication. I didn't know people communicated in different ways. I didn't know how to motivate and inspire. I just thought people were like a cogs. I was treating it like a programming thing. Like there's different processors, everything got to get allocated and then get back. And I got to organize being a manager, total manager. Um, I'm a good manager. You know, I got the details, I got, you know, spreadsheets, all these other things, but you know, I definitely wasn't getting the most out of people. And then, then what happened is, you know, what, when I started, I had friends in the industry, so I would hire those friends. And so we were all fairly tight. People normally that I knew for years and were very good experienced um, people. But then, you know, people would like, you know, work on half a project and quit or, or just quit altogether. I had to hire people from, you know, that I didn't know. And, um, and, I, and, and I just realized that, um, you know, I was starting to have problems with customers. It's like with, the more people we add, the more things we get, the, 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 the worse, I don't even know, like our culture would get, because like, I'm, I'm not even sure I knew what a culture was back then, you know, so, um, and there was really no culture, it was just a bunch of, of 
people that I knew thrown together without, I'm like, I don't want job titles. I want, I don't want anybody reporting to anybody, which is cool when you're two people, but you know, when you're six people or 10 people or 15 people, they're like, well, who do I go to, to get, you know, my, how much, how much vacation pay do I get? How much sick time? Who do I go to when my, my, my laptops doesn't work? I'm like, just fix it yourself. I don't care. It's like, but then they would choose something. I'd be like, I, that's not what I wanted you to do. And they're like, well, F you, you know, <laughs> like, of course it was frustrating to them. You know, there was no certainty. There was no consistency. I was all over the place. There was no, you know, much less, there's no roles, responsibilities, which again, you know, when you build a company, people want to do a good job. So as a leader, you really got to tell them, you know, this is what you got to do. It's like, if you had a, you know, a soccer football team and you're like, just go play every, every position you want to play. Nobody plays goal or defense. Everybody's trying to put the ball in the net and you lose by a hundred. So you know, it's, <laughs> not doesn't work um and uh it was it was stressful it's massively stressful because we were signing up clients the clients weren't happy even though we were uh, there was a bunch of experienced people on there um and it just i just took on all this responsibility and i i felt so isolated and alone because i didn't have anybody to talk to finally i joined some peer groups of other business owners and, and so i was finding what i didn't have and a guy named ron harrell who's still a good really good friend of mine he was like you know, he got to know me a little bit and he just laughed. He's like, Michael, you know, what made you a good programmer has almost nothing to do with what made you making you a good leader. I'm like, well, what do you know? What do you mean? It's like, well, you work really hard to overcome problems because it's just what I did. You know, if I had a problem, I would stay up all, all night, all weekend, I, it would get done. But you can't do that with leadership. You can't do that with a conversation or relationship. You know, you, you get one shot at it. And I was trying so hard to be, um, I, I also back then didn't understand myself. I didn't know myself. I was very ego driven. So I really care what people thought of me. And I really care what I really cared what, um, what, uh, how I, you know, I, I presented to people. I didn't want to show any weakness, which really created a disconnect between me and everybody else. I didn't have what I know now is emotional intelligence. Um, and uh, it really, it, it um, in a way, like I boxed myself off because the more stressed I got, the more isolated I made myself. And, um, and the, the worse I would communicate. So I don't, I start micromanaging. I start to get short with people and then it, it all got, got worse and worse. Yeah. So what was the breaking point between saying, okay, I'm going to get rid of my companies and I'm going to go nomad and just travel? <laughs> Well, there was a couple of steps between that, you know, because what happened is I, I started to, to get into some alcohol and some hard drugs, which is, is, is never a good long term solution. It works really good for the next couple hours. But after that, it really sucks. And it's expensive. It's expensive. It's expensive. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, I, you know, I had some substance abuse issues. I, I And then I, I had a business partner, a guy who was a key employee, I get some equity to. We got into a disagreement and he, and he ended up. Um, uh, hitting me, assaulting me in, in our in my office, and that led to it's not that he hurt, but it's basically we basically got into a fight, and so I had to file a restraining order and a lawsuit, and I got into this big business lawsuit, and I almost lost everything. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on it. He started a competitor. I thought I was going to lose everything, and um, yeah, it really made me realize like what 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 am I doing here? And that's when I really decided to change. I really started to to I really decided that I'm going to learn how to lead people and, and how to like lead myself. Cause I knew there was something that was, I don't know, broken a bit of the wrong word, but it's like, I wasn't even without the lawsuit, I wasn't enjoying my life because there was just a lot of chaos. It wasn't fun. You know, I, I was making good money, but it just, it wasn't fun. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's when I got, I got some coaches. I, I got this really unique uh, master's in psychology and I really worked on myself a lot, Tom. And, and for years and years, I worked on myself. And I know you went through one of the courses, you know, you, uh, you know, you, you were exposed to some of the things I, I really worked on myself. And the funny thing is, it's like, if I could explain this, like I got more comfortable with myself in those years because the more I got comfortable with myself, and what I mean by that is not so judgmental about myself. I learned to accept myself and, and, by doing that, I became a really great leader because I was connecting with people because I, I would admit when I'm wrong or I, I would really take time to listen to people. And um, that was the game changer. 
And it's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be afraid to make mistakes because I know that I'm a risk taker and I make mistakes. So if I make a mistake, I just got this great type of resilience with people were really attracted to because as a leader, you have to take a lot of risks. And I, and they were like, you know, Hey, if we, if we succeed or fail, that's all right. Cause they just knew that we were going to get to the next step. Cause I always had that faith in myself and my people. So, okay. um, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I realized that after spending 18 years in accounting software, I know what people out there are thinking we you, you're in accounting software. There's nothing more sexy than you, when you mix, mix accounting and software. And I, I know I was a, I was a bit of a rock star. <laughs> so many chicks and everything just like, uh, um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I like, I really enjoy, you know, business and strategy and leadership. And so I sold my software companies and, 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 you know, that's what I do now. I teach, teach leaders at companies like Uber and Microsoft and Salesforce and things. And, um, and then in, in, when I was in San Diego, I was there for a long time. And then I was like, I, did, I felt antsy, like I needed to travel again. And after being there eight years, it's like, it was my second stint there of eight years um, with the break in between. I just realized that I had the travel bug again. Um, mm -hmm. So I put my stuff in storage and went traveling. And then after like four months, I realized I don't need any of that crap. It was a very Buddhist moment. And so I, I sold, I get a great picture of myself. I can maybe email it to you. You can put it up on the notes. Or yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to write it down right away. It's me with like two big suitcases, two small suitcases, a backpack and two boxes of files. That's everything I owned in my life. And my mom took care of some of the files for me and some of the other stuff. And I just went and, it's funny because when I started traveling around internationally, I had two big suitcases and then my backpack. And after, you know, a couple of years of this, I was down to uh, you know, like a laptop backpack and a carry-on. And I was like so proud that I could just live forever out of a carry-on and a backpack. Yeah, I love that. That's You're one of the few people that I know that travel like this. And now wherever I travel, everything that fits in my backpack is everything that I'm carrying. I'm not taking the big, I never have a check package. It's always whatever I can carry on my back and done. And, and it's the easiest way to travel. Yeah. As long as you're not going anywhere cold, because when you get to cold, you got to bring those. So it's like you wear all the warm stuff on you. So it's so, like you have a hot on the plane. I have a trick. I have a trick about that. I went to Siberia in November last year. So November Siberia is cold as balls. Uh, and I took that uh, really thin but thermal layer that uh, skiers wear and, and bikers. And it's like it's like spandex, but keeps the heat and keeps the uh, cold air doesn't flow through that. So I put that on me, the, the base layer, and then basically you can wear your regular clothes, and then you don't have to wear all of this stuff. Otherwise, I wouldn't have to take that big suitcase. But I managed to avoid that as well. So if if it works for Siberia, it mostly works for everything, everywhere where you go on business or like a casual tourist, not climbing Mount Everest. <laughs> I can almost guarantee you I will never go any, anywhere colder than Siberia in, in November. Exactly. I'm, uh, when, when we were landing on this snow covered airstrip in Siberia, I was like, do I really need this in my life? Like, do I, like, why am I here? And then I remembered, oh, Google is paying for the conference. So I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. But, but yeah. It, I could have gone on in summer. I would next time if I ever go back to Siberia, it's going to be summer for sure. Well, um, they, they brought you up to speak at a conference, didn't they? Uh, what? They brought you up to speak at a conference, didn't Google yeah. or Microsoft bring you up? Yeah, it was a Google Google Dev Conference, uh, Google Developers, and I was speaking on freelancing and basically, uh, I like to put it in a way like I speak on developers conferences, so I can open uh, different perspectives to people who never considered freelancing as a career option. Uh, and I don't want to speak to designers because I'm a designer. I know a lot of designers and they are all great, but I kind of feel that this is the type of people that I can't teach stuff. Then they already know a lot of stuff that I do. So it kind of, yeah, I'm covering just a small part of what, uh, of things and with developers, I can like, share from my perspective because i think developers and designers need to work together so it's kind of always it's a good meld of 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 worlds and and i love speaking about freelancing and just having people open their eyes to those possibilities that freelancing offers so this is this is actually uh, one of the things i want to come back to you said that you're a person that takes risks 
And when I speak in these events, and then people come come to me after and say they have questions around how do I know that I will get paid? Or you can see that a lot of people are very risk averse and they don't want to they don't want to risk basically not having any money. And if you go to freelance, you're sacrificing this uh, certainty that the paycheck will come at the end of the month. And a lot of people struggle with this, where how can they make that step? And it just doesn't feel natural to a lot of people and it doesn't feel easy. So what would be your advice saying to saying to those people like to make that step and actually step away from this nine to five job and going to freelancing and take a bet on themselves? Wow, that's a great point. You know, the I I I've been basically a consultant for most of my life. I, you know, I was an employee for a while, but we, I worked in a consulting organization. So I've always just had so much flexibility and freedom. And um, to me, it'd be great. There's so many people I know that have a job and they would let make literally twice as much being a freelancer. I'm like, why don't you just quit and do this? You know, you got all these contacts. You, you're really in demand. You'd make so much money. And they're like, no, nah, I just want to stay here. What if I do this? You know, Basically, as a freelancer, you can almost work like half the hours and make make the make more than you were before on on your own terms. And of course, there's you know trade offs and everything with a whole bunch of things. You know the um, you know the you know as a freelancer, there, there's some things you can control and some things you can't. Like for example, you can control who you work for, and you want to if you work for a startup internet company or, you know, or whatever, e-commerce company, you know, that, that may be a little risky, right? Because they may not, you know, there may be a cash flow problem. If you work for a larger company and you talk to some other people that are doing freelancing for them, you can almost guarantee that you're going to get the money when they say they're going to pay, pay you. Make sure you're talking to the people that, that in, in the department that, are, that pay you, not just the people that need to hire you. You know, you want to get some confirmation, maybe talk to one or two other people about it. But, you know, the chances of you working for an established company and not getting paid are, are, are fairly slim, I would think. Yeah. Um, and you really got to take it in. And I, that's, Tom, I think that's why these talks and some of the content you put out are, are really great because they're, you know, if you do have a family and kids or rent payment or mortgage, you know, you really want to take that into account. And, and there's, you know, there, there are some things that you want to really make sure you look at and understand. Um, but, you know, if you, you know, there, to me, there's just so many benefits to it about the freedom and the flexibility and working on new projects and things um, that, uh, you know, just to me, that, that that's fun. But again, I like change. If you're if people are totally risk averse and don't like change. Um, yeah, you know, it may, it may not be for you. Absolutely. I always say it's not for everybody. There are I know a lot of success stories from people that I met uh, during some of the after on some of the conferences and there's uh one girl i met a couple of years back she she came to my talk and after the talk she asked me like, how do i become a freelancer and to be honest i don't have a simple short answer like this is how you do it it's very can i just kind of quit your job lose the safety net and you just go and and she said like yes i'm gonna do it uh i'll let you know when i succeed and I, a lot of i hear this from a lot of people i was like okay cool yeah let me know when you kick off your business and and I'm going to be sure to send you some clients your way that, that, that are going to need your service. And sure enough, like six months later, she sent me an email. Hey, hey, I have an agency. I'm working on this, blah, blah, blah. Thank you for inspiring me. And I was just blown away. I just couldn't believe it. And she's still working, going strong, does some amazing work, builds websites and, and branding for some amazing clients. And it just, just started from, I have an idea. and she just took a straight line from A to B and just did it. And, and I was like, wow, you should be like up here talking. And, and it kind of sounds, you know, uh, like a fun, fun little uh, story that, that I get to tell, but it really is simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. And I try to say this to people, but I don't know how to convince them that it's true. You know, I just want to, I wish I could make them just try for a month. Like I'm going to cover your life costs. Just try for a month. And I know that you will never go back because this freedom that you gain and, and just the, the, the life kind of just grows by a couple of sizes. Just this is how I feel. I know. To me, it's so easy. I get the same thing. People say, how do I get into it? I'm like, just just call like five-year-old clients or slash coworkers and just say, hey, 
what's going on? I was thinking about you, by the way, you know, I, I, I may go solo, you know, of course, if it, if it, if it's not taken, if you're not legally bound or contract or morally by the company you're working for, um, you know, if it's not, not their client, you don't want to steal the clients of the company. Of course. Yeah. The company introduced you to, but it, you know, if you've been doing it for 10 years or so, go back and think of some old contacts you've had great relationships with. So there's a good chance they need quality people and, you know, just reach out and drop them a line say, Hey, you know, just, just think about you. Let's do a 10 minute call, call them up. God forbid, call them up, you know, just call them, you know, don't, don't think about it. Don't send an email, just literally call them and say, Hey, I was thinking about you. Um, yeah, I just want to see how things are going. Chit chat for five or 10 minutes, catch up and then say, Hey, you know, I was thinking about going solo. Um, do, do you know anybody or do you need any help? I mean, it's a legit question. If, Tom, if you called me up and said, hey, well, we, you do do this. Yeah, I'm like, hey, what's going on? And you're like, yeah, between projects, let me know if you know of any, you know, designers. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm happy to help. I want people to tell me when they're looking for projects. I mean, it's some people are like, I don't want to ask. Why? Like, if I was looking for a lawnmower, wouldn't you want me to tell you I'm looking for a lawnmower? So if you had a lawnmower, you can help me with the lawnmower? Like, exactly. There's a creation saying, I mean, I need to translate this in English, like, I who one does one that asks never wonders i think that was the that would be the proper like you can never get lost if you have if you ask questions so uh i think that just is something that my grandma used to say but yeah it just it, it makes sense if you have a question ask and people are always more than happy to help and i know you are and thank you for that uh, i appreciate every time we uh every time i reach out you 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 reach back and you kind of i just want to make sure that people know that this works for all most everybody in the world. Yeah, for sure. And especially if you're very good, you, you form relationships on project teams and those the people really remember you and, and hold you in high esteem. And if you worked on, on projects with, with other freelancers, maybe you weren't a freelancer, call those other freelancers. It's, it's literally just, if you're thinking about doing this, take, it, take an hour, block an hour out on your calendar and spend the first half hour calling people and the next half hour emailing people. And if you do that three weeks in a row, you spend one hour, three weeks in a row, you, you either will have enough work for you or you're, you're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people just don't believe in themselves and I think yeah. they should. So one of the things that uh, I always suggest to people is to go to meetups, go to uh, find people in similar fields, people with common interests and just go and meet people. And it's just hard not to hard not to meet people that that will have a place for you if you're if you're trying to find uh, where you can put your skill to use. And just doing this a couple of weeks ago, I met a great guy that I would never meet if I didn't do you know Slack communities and Facebook and all that stuff. And I meet people that introduce me to people. And I met a guy that's a uh, designer and I director, and we did a uh, we did a live. Uh, podcast too and he's this brilliant designer and all over the map and we we had like an introductory 15 minute call uh so we can get to know each other before we do the podcast and it turned into an hour and a half talk and i felt like i knew this guy for years and this is one of the reasons why i love these you know communities that that gather around certain uh subjects that that i like because i always find one person I can talk to and, and just have a lot in common and we can always find a way to build something together or do something together. I think that's a great approach. Yeah. Um, something came to my mind. I forgot what I was going to say. I can't remember. Anyway, it'll come to me. Communities. Uh... <laughs> you are, oh, here's what I was going to ask. Uh, first of all, I, I appreciate you doing the community and doing this. And I was on that other call and I think you really add a lot of value and it, it's, I don't really find a lot of people talking about exactly this. I think that's really important. Um, with all the, the layoffs, and even though tech people are in big, big demand, have you, Tom, personally, are, are more people looking, maybe they got uh, laid off or furloughed or, or whatever, are they jumping into your community or do you are you getting the questions, how do I freelance? Or are there less people or more people? What, what, what do you see? So, there's a two-part answer to this question. One is a lot of people that are either getting laid off or getting furloughed are not everybody has the same culture of working from home and working remotely. 
like some of us have that we have been freelancing and you have been accountable for yourself for so long it just becomes a second nature and then there are a lot of people who are just accustomed to going to the office so structure of their work from home is a little bit different than people who are working from home or working for themselves for quite some time now so it's it's been a sudden change for a lot of people so a lot of people are now trying to just find a way how to actually work from home in a, in a way that will still be productive, still work with their team. And, and a lot of companies who are hiring don't have the proper onboarding process remote because they're like, oh, we are now remote and uh, here's an email from this person and, and uh, you know, have a, a call with this person and just hop on a Zoom with this. And it's just kind of, people are still trying to uh, learn how to work remotely. It's just uh, not second nature for a lot of people. And then a lot of people got uh, uh, lost the human touch in, that they had in the office because it's, uh, they lost that watercolor talk and kitchen talk. They said, hey, how are you? Bumping it for people in, in the corridors. And now when they jump on a, in a new company that's also remote, they don't know how to act. There's no this uh, thing that happens organically in the workplace. So a lot of people are suffering from this, uh, oh, we are not working remotely, but there's no uh, connections being made on a personal level that usually happen. And uh, companies that are not remotely just don't know how to grow that uh, organically. So I think this is where you're struggling. And the other part is people that did get laid off uh, are looking for jobs. There are people who are even, uh, some of the people are cutting down on their rates, saying like, oh, it will be easier to get a, get a new job because if they go cheaper, dumping on prices, thinking they would be more employable, and it's not working for them and they're like oh i cut down my prices for 30 percent like why did your quality went down did you like what happened i'm trying trying to understand why you, but you're not going to be more employable if you cut down on your rates suddenly just because you're sitting at home if nothing your rates should stay the same uh and, and it just it boggles me so so i had a couple of calls um last couple of weeks with people who are kind of try, trying to find their place and even with one of the uh, had a call with a CTO of one uh, development company, they want to be competitive in the market, but they can't offer higher salaries in, on, on the market because they just can't. It doesn't matter. But they, he, he asked me, like, how can we be more competitive for, as an employer for developers? So we talked for a couple hours and came to the conclusion that they should cut it down to four hour work, uh, four day work week instead of a five day work week, which works for them because people are, the people are getting burned out if they are like five hours, eight hours, eight hours a day for five days, working, developing hardcore. They, they their their people start to get burned out. So it's like, okay. How about we cut down to four hours, and they tried that, kept the productivity the same. So cut down one day, kept the same productivity, and they said okay from uh, what we learned during the Corona time, uh, now they're gonna work from one day will be from home, uh, mandatory, and out of three others, there would be optional working day from home, and one day they're not working. So basically, uh, they kept the salaries, and but uh, their staff is way, way more happier. They did a, a survey, and it was like 95% uh everybody said like yes this is way better way amazing and i'm sure that people will not change company for a couple hundred bucks just based on this because you get like 50 something additional three days a year for basically the same salary who, who does that uh, that's cool that's a real good story yeah yeah i think a lot of companies should think in that direction but yeah so okay uh i want to i want to ask you uh, i know that you're doing your uh workshops on leadership. Can you tell me a little bit more just about that? How, how are you exactly helping people become better leaders? What do you do? And tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. And I, I specifically work with, with technology people that want, maybe they're a team lead, maybe they're a CTO, maybe they're uh, you know, a middle manager, uh, maybe they're a support manager, testing manager, maybe they are an IT director. And you know that they. The thing is, when when we're most of us technical people, when we work our way up the management and leadership, we excuse me, we um, you know, again, we rely on what got us there. So we're very tactical. We don't think strategically. 
oftentimes we, we get in, we, we have this uh, imposter syndrome. So when, when all of a sudden we're in a, you know, a board meeting or a high level meeting or a customer meeting, and it's like, we, we want to hide. We don't want to, we don't want them to like call on us. We don't want to say anything. And, and then when, when we are called on, we don't want to look stupid. So we either still muff up the answer, even though we know the answer, or we give this long technical answer where, and you know, so you see everybody's eyes glaze over. And half the time when we're doing this, we know halfway through the answer, we're like, oh, I lost them already. And so we're like, blah, 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 blah. And, and you know, as people are leaving the, 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 the meeting, they're like, ah, you know, you know, Michael, whoever just didn't show up as the strategic leader. So, um, and, you know, it's that, it's how to motivate and inspire a team. Because just because you're, for example, a software tester doesn't mean that the software testers are going to, you're going to motivate and inspire them. Just because you are something doesn't mean you're going to inspire that. And in fact, you don't even need to know. I, you know, I had people working for me in, in area, marketing people, salespeople in, in areas that I didn't know about. So there, that's a fallacy that you have to know about people that you're going to lead. But it takes confidence. It takes leadership skills. It takes a lot of these different uh, different tools and techniques um, to get there. It's about having a vision. It's about communicating that to God people. If it, a lot of it's about um, it's about stepping out of your comfort zone and being able to delegate, putting the right controls in place. A lot of people either give everything over and, and, and wonder why it's not done correctly, or they, they, they keep everything together. Uh, they keep everything too close, and then they never delegate, and then they're stressed, and then, then they have too much to do by themselves. And it really it causes so much angst. And, and people, when they get promoted into leadership, they were used to being a really good technical person. And all of a sudden now they're, they're maybe not doing that well or missing targets or they don't have the respect of their team or their boss or their peers. And so it really starts messing with their confidence and then they get the negative self-talk and then it all, all goes downhill from there. Then they stop, they don't communicate well with their family at home and their spouses are getting there or, or, or feel disconnected. And then they spend time with their kids. So you know, I, I, I seen it all and this, and that's, I specifically help technical people get into management and leadership. And it's, um, it's really needed because nobody teaches us leadership skills. They teach us some management, but nobody teaches us how to, how to go, you know, step into these strategic meetings and, and act like a board, board member. So good. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. So, uh, I will try to wrap this up because I know that you said that you can't spend more than an hour, but uh i want you just to tell people about your book because i read the book i think the book is great it helped me and i just want to ask you a little bit more about the book how did you actually came how did you came to writing the book like and and like where did it actually take you i know a lot of people are thinking about writing a book i'm thinking about writing the book so uh how did it actually came to be and what did it actually change yeah, yeah, I'm happy to share that. The, the, the let me throw out the, there's two books, and, and the first book was a bit shorter. And what happened is writing a book's not that hard. You just got to get over the fact that writing a book's not that hard. Literally, I was traveling a lot, so every time I got on a plane, I would open up my laptop and, and write until I didn't feel like writing. And then in like three months, I had a first draft. And, um, and so, you know, it doesn't take if you type fairly quickly, and most of us do, and you know what you're talking about. Literally, it probably takes 40 to 80 hours to do a first draft of a thin book. And your first book, make it a thin book. Don't write, you know, 5,000 pages. Make your first book your, your experiment, right? And um, and so I, I did that. And, and then I also got a book coach. So, you know, if you get somebody that, that's written a book before to coach you, you can, you know, a couple of this is, how much money do you want to spend on it? I mean, you can literally do it for no money. Or you could get, a, you know, probably a book coach, a professional. Um, I, I would, I would encourage some people to spend about 500 bucks or 500 pounds on getting a professional editor, getting a professional cover, getting it the 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 inside of it formatted correctly. So you know, there's you can 500 bucks would go a long way to getting a professional book out there. Or you can spend a couple grand and getting a, you know, you know, getting a marketing person. Blah 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 blah. So. Um, but it's just for like getting your ass down on the on, and, on the seat and your your fingers on the keyboard and type. <laughs> I mean, there's no magic formula, and you know you could literally, if it was done now, Tom, you could have it on Amazon tomorrow. You know, it's create space. It's like you upload it, you format it. It's really, really simple. So there there's a lot of mystique around a book that really should be versed a bit. Um, you can go to freaking Fiverr and get a get a cover done nowadays. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, but my second book is Soul Centered Leadership, and it's really how to lead from your heart and your, your soul and how to really, a lot, you know, everybody I've ever basically met in my life, they want to do a good job. They want to, you know, have success personally, but also have their team have success. So it's really how do you tap into that as a tool set for doing that. And it, it's got a, a general type of spirituality associated with it, nothing to do with God or religion. You know, we don't want to mess around with that. Everybody's got their own beliefs or, or non-beliefs. But it's, you know, it's just a really uplifting uplifting uh, way to look at how we can create something and, and, and do something great for ourselves and, and everybody else. But I think great leadership, it's like some people have something about, you know, I used to, sometimes I still do about like authority and leadership. And some people have it about religion. And some people have it about like salespeople. You know, there's, there's people that like are members of religion and it really is a positive thing. And there's others that are a negative thing. When you, there's really great salespeople out there, or you've been through really great sales experiences and you've been through negative ones and same with leadership. There's great leaders out there and there's poor leaders out there. And, and I think some people have a negative view of what leadership can be or management can be, but you know, when you do work for a great leader, um, it's very empowering to you. And, 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 and I've learned a lot by working with great leaders and for great leaders and being led by great leaders. And people want to be led, you know, if we have a project together and, you know, like, you know, when Tom was setting me up with this podcast, I want Tom to take leader, leadership of this, you know, here's when we're going to start, here's the format of it. How much do you want to, you know, he, he walked me through everything, which is good. If he didn't, this would not be successful. So, you know, leadership shows up everywhere. And, and, you know, we don't get anywhere without leadership. You know, if, if, if we were all wanted to take a bus ride somewhere and, no, and, and we just voted on it, we would never, ever get anywhere. You know, it's like sometimes somebody's got to say, we're not going to Niagara Falls, we're going to Florida, right? Otherwise, we just drive in circles. So, exactly. Um, yeah. Would you say that your uh, like perspective of you from your clients changed once you say, like, now that you have a book, did, did it change in any way in your business? Did it change your oh, business? For sure. And I, I do a lot of speaking. And in the speaking circles, we say a book is, is the most expensive, most effective business card you'll ever have in your life. Um, and the funny thing is nobody, not nobody, this is an exaggeration. Nobody's going to read your book. But, you know, most people are going to like find you have a book. It's amazing you have a book. They're going to buy the book. They might glance through the book. Some people are going to read it and some people aren't, but they're going to, you know, if you, you know, if you know something about, um, you know, whatever it is, Java or, or testing, you know, I keep going back to them because they're top of my mind, write a book on it. Why not? Who, you know, you, if, if you say, who are you to write a book? Who aren't you to write a book? But you, what you don't know about this stuff and people probably know the stuff already, but that's not who the book's written for. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. nothing written nowadays is, is new. I mean, it's, it's been done for a lot of it for hundreds of years. So don't worry about it. It's just your take on it and you're another outlet for it. So don't think your book has to be a masterpiece or something that's never been done before. It's, it's, you know, it's just to support you and your message. So, yeah. Cool. Maybe I'll write, how did you say Tomonomics? Or... Tomonomics. I like that. You got to give me a percentage for, I like, I like that. <laughs> I'm going to write it out. Tomonomics. Yeah. <laughs> If nothing, I'm going to write a, a write a, a medium post on it. Yeah, right just, I just I just want to you know stop uh, stop answering the same question in messages all over. I'm just going to write a article and just point everybody the same link. Just like there it is. This is how I do it because it was a big mystery. So yeah, I'm just going to solve the problem for freelancers with my homonyms. <laughs> Well, what some people do is like you got this this podcast series or a blog. Some people just take all of them and, and and hire somebody to put them all together into a book. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, well, to be honest, I started this podcast thing because a I like talking to interesting people, and why not just record it? I would talk to you anyway. And uh, we should be eating ribs though. Now we should be eating ribs. Oh man, don't don't even mention the ribs. I'm aching for those ribs back in Croatia. So, not don't don't know when that's going to happen. Hopefully this year. But but yeah, we should do that. At least when when the lockdown is done, uh, you can come over to my place, and I'm going to try to make ribs. So we'll try. Absolutely. But, yeah. but yes, uh, that's the that's the idea. I just 
Yeah, I'll, I'll record these as much as I can, see where it takes me, and hopefully just learn something. And if anybody gets any use from, from our conversations and from whatever I'm speaking with people, I'm just going to chalk that up to them, and that's it. Cool. My last piece of advice, don't buy XCOM 2, because right now I bought XCOM 2, and I'm a couple of missions in. It's all I can think about and all I want to do. I don't want to do any freaking work. I, don't know. I, I, I understand, and I'm not buying it. And my friend uh, suggested uh, he should send me a trailer for the game called Torment Tides of Numera. And it's a continuation of uh, the Torment series. So I see the the trailer and I was like, oh man, I love this. I would love this game because I love those uh, turn-based RPG games. And I didn't want to buy it because I have work to do and I just don't have enough time to dedicate to this game. And he asked me a couple of days ago, like, hey, did you did you buy the game? I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm working. I'm being a responsible adult, not buying the game because I want to concentrate on my work and my whatever I'm doing. And he said, okay, I'm sorry. And sent me the key and said happy early birthday present. And I was like, shit. And now I have this big icon on my desktop just looking at me. And I think I'm gonna sink entire next weekend into, into the game. <laughs> Which one is it? Is that the ninja one you showed me? No, 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 this is a whole different, this is similar to Baldur's Gate series, if you remember those, yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's like basically very story-driven RPG and all of your, whatever you, action you take it kind of takes in a different direction so you finished oh, witcher 3 so you're my hero i'm like man, that, you probably could learn russian and japanese in that time but <laughs> well i could have uh but uh i was just uh slaying monsters and listening to slavic folk music which kind of <laughs> but it's a it's one thing that was good during this lockdown is time to play games and my wife is working anyway so yeah. Uh, while she was working, I had time to play games. So, so yeah, but so at least something good came out of this lockdown. <laughs> Finishing Witcher, I know now how it ends. I'm not going to spoil it for everybody, but it's well worth the play. Well worth the 40, 50 hours just sinking to the game. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, really appreciate it, and I hope we're going to have a chance to do an episode two. I want to say thank you to everybody who listened our episode to the end. I hope you got some value out of it. I'm going to link everything related to Michael and what we discussed in the show notes. If anybody has any questions either for Michael or for myself, there will be links to all of our socials there. I'm sure Michael is more than happy to answer some of those just like me. And whoever wants to join our Slack community is more than welcome to. Uh, and that's it. Uh, hope to see you again soon. So thanks. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Thanks so much. And yeah, thank you. Bye bye.